0: Welcome to Sex Communication, a project aimed at changing how people talk about sex. It features audio recordings of sex acts, extremely frank conversations, and many confessionals. Please note that our content is explicit and uncensored. And while these episodes may indeed arouse you, the intent is to inform and inspire. Join us now for a judgment and shame-free exploration of sex. Sexy sex. Hello and welcome to episode 41. Today I'm sharing with you my interview with a woman known to me as Lada, or Alada, as she is known on FetLife. On Fet, she is also known as the pansexual and sensualist. If you are wondering what these words mean, fear not. I asked her this question right off the bat. We discuss what these words mean to her, how they represent her identity, and also how that identity came to be formed. Lada is possibly one of the most widely experienced guests that I've had on the podcast, she is open and curious and accepting of herself and others in a way that is nothing short of inspiring. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation just as much as I did. I found myself getting goosebumps as we spoke. And without further ado, here it is. Enjoy. Thank you for, you know, putting aside the time to do this. I'm glad to finally speak with you and your voice sounds amazing. So <laughs> Oh,
1: thank you. I I feel this is not my normal voice, but it's been my normal voice for the last Five weeks I think since we've been trying to get this
0: done <laughs> yeah um so yeah all right well welcome Lotto to the to the broadcast um so I figured I'd just jump in with some questions about
1: your profile oh wow it's in my profile it's all over the place so there's <laughs> a lot about me there and um I'm not really sure where you would want me to start. I Well, I'll I'll
0: ask you questions. I just, I more wanted to start with um, just the label that you have for yourself, which is pansexual and and also you listed yourself as sensualist. So I just wanted to talk about those two words that you've used to represent yourself.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Okay. I think I realized that I was pansexual maybe when I was, or bisexual, I should say. I'll start there. Okay in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time I was married and I noticed I was, had all these attractions to women and it went from, oh, she looks nice to, oh, I'd like to do some things to her. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of morphed into accepting that, um, hey, I actually think I'm attracted to just people in general. I like love them. They're so fucking awesome. <laughs> and... I I think at 17, I, I kind of became familiar with cross-dressers and transsexuals, like looking at porn magazines. Yeah. And yeah. I was thinking, you know, as I'm looking at these things, I'm thinking, oh, my God, that is so hot. Um, but I kind of set that. In the back of my mind, because I was seventeen years old and I wasn't really thinking about exploring anything other than my boyfriend. Yeah. And um. And so the pen came around as I continued to do more reading and being involved in the LGBT community over the twenty-something years between, um, you know, seventeen and forty-two. Uh, so yeah, it was it was kind of. Um, a transformation or a well a growth process for me to realize this is what i see and this is what i know and this is how it relates to me and is this is who i am yeah. for right now as i'm evolving so yeah
0: this label does it come with experience and all with people along the spectrum or is it more just like a mindset of recognizing that your attraction is just that broad
1: uh it's both. So um as I recognized that I had the attraction, I kinda was open to meeting and getting to know different people from different walks of life. Yeah. Um and I grew up in New York City. So uh I you see a lot there. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. Well, I, I think that's cool. Let me find out a little bit more about this thing or this community or these people. And then it was all over again I was falling in love. So um, it was both those things. I think I, I would read things and I noticed that it, you're going to hear me say this a lot, um, over this interview that something resonated with me. Yeah. Um, it just seemed to be, it felt right. And then I would date people or I would meet people and they tell me things about their life. And I say, Oh, I want to know, know more about that. And you know, we become involved with each other as friends or maybe even something more. Um, I haven't had very many um, romantic experiences with women, but I appreciate them. Um, I think they're beautiful. I've had limited experiences because of, I think, more so how I am than other people being toward me. Um, I don't tend to... um, I don't have a lot of slutty sex, although in my mind I'm very slutty. <laughs> but I would fuck the whole world if I could possibly do that. I know that's not possible. So I kind of wait for a, me to feel a connectedness to someone to have sex, but other parts of their sexuality and their uh, culture, uh, things about them as a person interests me. So it's like, it all fits with but being pansexual and a humanist and interested in people in general for me it did yeah so yeah it was all of that
0: and how does the word centralist come into it how how does that play
1: um, I'm not interested in pain but I'm interested in anything and everything to do with the senses so uh, touch smell well smells that smell good to me um, because I know some people are interested in uh, more fetid aromas uh pleasant smells to me um uh anything that kind of it's very romantic i guess i would say the the way that i am and that's probably the very reason why i haven't had uh experiences with more women because i tend to be in a more masculine energy when dealing with women so that kind of ties into it the the centralist side, because I think I need, I need yin and yang and, and my relationships.
0: All right. And I'm curious too. So are you, are you poly? Are you in a relationship? Like what, how do you explore the things that you're you're interested in?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, as I'm thinking of how to answer this, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to, people are going to think like, you don't know what you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually that I do know what I want. I, um, and I'm very specific about that. If And you've read my, my profile. Yeah. If you've read any of my writings, you'll see this is who I am. I'm not hiding behind a profile, um, although I'm not showing my full face. Uh, but yes, I identify as non-mononomous or polyamorous. And it depends on who I'm talking to, how I describe that. Um, So if you're in the community already and you're aware of what these terms mean, I would be leaning more towards poly purists where I'm in a relationship anarchist. Um, So I believe I I don't swing, but I have nothing against swingers. Um, I need love and connection for me to go deep with someone. Uh, And as far as um, the umbrella term, I kind of recognize poly as an umbrella term also. Um, So it just depends on, you know, in the community, people will often say, what's your poly or how do you do it? Yeah. And this is what it looks like for me. Um, But I'll say non-monogamous because I don't subscribe to rules in general. I'm just kind of free spirited. But poly actually really fits with how I love people. Um, So the relationships that I have right now are um, pretty significant and deep and they're thriving, um, but they're in various stages. Oftentimes, if a relationship ends with me, I try to stay friends. Um, And that might look like uh, an ex. Well, this is what it looks like. Um, So I was in a long-term relationship with someone for more than... Three years, I'll say, yeah. uh, and that relationship went from lovers to best friends. Um, and we lived together for the period of time that we were together. And now um, they're like a father figure to my my daughter. Uh, another relationship is maybe two and a half years, and I would say we're more companions than we are lovers. Um, this person is much older than me, and he has. Uh, he mentors, and he has a sub, and um, women knocking down the door to do things to them. <laughs> um, but we're not sexual, so or or we may be sometimes. Um, but because of reasons that are personal to him, and I won't discuss here because I don't have his permission to, to speak about his life. Um, we did we never had traditional sex we never had traditional intercourse in the time that we were actually uh, a dating couple or in a romantic relationship uh, then I have someone that I'm seeing um, who's much younger like more than ten years a little more 11 years younger okay. <laughs> Okay, I, uh, I'm embarrassed to say because I'm working on myself. Why? Being, getting over myself because I'm 42 years old, and I, I'm I've always been interested in older men, and this is like I've I've had sexual relationships with younger men, maybe eight years younger, but I tend to gravitate towards older men, and I'm trying to like broaden my horizons and give you know the younger guys a chance yeah. because. Um, I was an old soul. At 14, I knew what I wanted my life to be. And so I figured if I was that way, there are tons of people out there that are also that way. And I'm missing out on learning a whole lot of shit by not giving them an opportunity <laughs> to show me who they are yeah. and and learn some stuff, you know? Yeah. And I want to do that. So um, then I have an ex that's a friend. Um, and we cuddle and uh, we spend a lot of time together. I I watch him when he's having sex with his new person that he's seeing. And if I'm involved with someone and I think that they would like someone else that I know that I might be involved with, I'll introduce them and ask, would they be okay with me watching? Um, so I'm a bit of a pervert in that (laughs) way. (laughs) And as my friend says, um, I'm a little bit of an instigator. I like to, you know, watch the magic happen as people are relating to one another and I'm okay to be a part of it or I'm okay. I'm okay to sit back and just enjoy the vibes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been known to be called an instigator in that way. <laughs> um, so I'm a little all over the place and some of these relationships. It's like, I know when people ask you, how many people are you seeing? They want to know how many people are you having sex with? Right. But it sounds like
0: the relationships are the most important thing for you. So they don't necessarily uh, have to be inclusive of sex. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. And there might be forms of intimacy like touching and cuddling, but there's no intercourse. Right. Right. Okay. Um, So, and I found that that's hard for people to understand. How do you do that? Like, (laughs) what do you mean you have like, these six people that are like really good friends and you used to date them and they're dating other people or they used to date other people that you dated, And it's like, because they're their own person, they can do whatever it is that they want to do with their life. They're autonomous. I'm a free spirit. I know what it feels like to just do what it is I want to do. And I want to champion that in the lives of the people that are important to me. Yeah. Um, Cause I don't want to stop them from having experiences.
0: And do you ever struggle with jealousy? I mean, I, I know like a common, like people that are drawn to poly relationships, you know, that's generally not an issue for them. But, you know, at the end of the day, there is, you know, there are certain human reflexes. So does that happen to you ever or it's really just not something that plays into your your experiences?
1: Oh, man, it's, it's funny you ask me this because I often get from friends and partners that I'm not jealous, but that's not true. I just don't show it. I work through my feelings on my own. Yeah. um, Because feelings are fleeting. They come and they go. And sometimes I know that if I say something out of my mouth, as fly as my mouth can get, (laughs) um, (laughs) I can't take it back. So once I say it, it's like, ugh, damn. Okay. So the feeling comes up. I sit with it. I deal with it on my own. And it might take a few minutes. Or it might take a day, hmm. but it happens very quickly. So I don't, well, as far as the partner is concerned, they may never know that it happens. And that's probably why they think that I don't experience jealousy, Right. Um, but I deal with it on my own. Right. So, um, and if it doesn't go away, it. I know that it's about me. It's my feelings. So it's like, I have to identify where is it coming from and what is the underlying fear? Cause that's what it's about. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's the the jealousy is usually about losing the person or that you're going to not have something that lost fear and loss. That's that's what it's about.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: Yeah.
0: So it sounds like you've been in this world and in this realm of exploring like this for a while. Does that mean I mean, were you brought up in a way that kind of encouraged this or did you meet other people that that shared these things that you maybe learned from? Like, how did all of this develop
1: for you? Um okay, so <laughs> I grew up in a family that was mostly non-monogamous and some of that included cheating and other times it included um quiet, open relationships, um children out of wedlock, uh two families, multiple people living together or separately, and this is not only just the sexual relationships, but Uh, My family's from the South. Mm -hmm. So it's not culturally speaking, it's not uncommon for, you know, multiple generations to be living in one household or uh, it's very communal. Uh, The community that I lived in. um, Well, it it seemed to be to me. And this is 20 years after, you know, after like living In this way and recognizing wait a minute there's there's patterns here that i'm noticing these things aren't talked about they're just being done um and wait a minute there this is something else it felt very tribal um oftentimes it was as if you know men would have multiple wives is what it would look like but they might have a girlfriend and a wife and the girlfriend lived in her own home and they had a child out of wedlock with her and they'd go see her a couple of times a week and they might spend the night or they might come back. You'd hear the wife, you know, going to work and talking to other workers on, on the, you know, on the bus that we would be on going to work about, you know, trouble that was going on in the relationship. These women sharing their similar issues. And it was so pervasive. It was like, wait a minute, um, this is a thing, yeah. Um, we're not calling it anything. This is just what life is for these people. Um, and there would be, you know, upset, you know, they're, you know, infighting and uh, people not getting along sometimes. But for the most part, it was pretty much like a, a well-oiled machine. Hmm. Um, my mother had a, a over 20-year relationship with a married man. Um, my grandfather... Uh, uh, saw women but he was married uh, he never married my grandmother he married someone a little younger after um they had children together and he went on and married someone else um my uncles have been known to have multiple girlfriends and the whole family would so it was a culture I grew up in a non-monogamous family
0: yeah all of the parties went into it openly and you know as willing participants, it wasn't something that was forced on anybody or like that they had to subject themselves to in order to make something else work. Was it like that? Or like all of it was very willing and very open and it was discussed because that's how it sounds. But I just want to confirm because sometimes like it may have that appearance, but then underneath, it's like actually been a real struggle
1: for somebody involved with it. So this was happening when I was a kid. So I can only tell you what it looked like from the outside, not having all the information as a you know a ten year old to preteen and teenager, you know, where it was like, you know, my mom's hanging out with this guy and his kids are coming over to our house to play and where I go to high school with his sons and wait a minute, his wife and my mom and him are in the grocery store (laughs) buying groceries together and my mom is living in a house behind their house that he made. He, he's building a house for his wife and he puts my mom in a house behind his house. But my mom also has a house in town that she lives in and they do things together. I never knew if it was a sexual relationship. So, yeah. I mean, that was none of my business, but they got along just fine. Um, and that was the relationship that I saw the most of growing up uh, because I didn't live with my mother 24 seven until I was 16. So, um, I was raised in New York by an aunt and then later went to New York at, I mean, went to South Carolina at 16. So, um, but every summer I would come to to the South and other people were having these relationships. It wasn't always open, like in my mother's case, but Um, for these other people it would be open and there were women who had multiple partners or boyfriend husband and that was in the open it seemed some of it seemed like it would start with cheating Mm. but it was like it would be you know long-term relationships and these people they might have you know some fighting and stuff going on carrying on is what we called it um but the relationships wouldn't end. I know that. (laughs) Um, So it was, it was accepted.
0: And are you open with your family about your, your interests and your relationships and kind of the breadth of your
1: experience? Yes. Um, I would say my family, they kind of, they're the type of people that they don't do the labels. Yeah. And um, they're not like in the, they're not like me. And I kind of like to devour books and I love to, you know, learn about new stuff and so I'm a little bit more cerebral than most people that I I would say my, my mom and my grandparents, they're not into that stuff. Um, so they just do what they do and they accept me for who I am. My family's very accepting. Um, they're, they're awesome about uh, supporting one another. So that was never an issue. It's pretty much you do what you want to do if it makes you happy. Right. Do it. Uh, um, so I was fortunate in in growing up in a family that, that is that way. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I've never had to worry about hiding anything. It was like, okay, once I figured out this is what I am, people were, family members are watching and they notice you're doing this or you're doing that. They might ask you, they might not. Um, so yeah.
0: And with your friends, do you do you find yourself surrounding yourself, your, your friend group? Do you seek out people that, um, share your openness for speaking about these things or is your friend group inclusive of people that are perhaps like a bit more tight lipped or maybe, you know, just conservative or vanilla. You know, what is, what is your, your like social circle like?
1: Um, so a lot of people that I've dated become my friends or a lot of people that I start to, I might start a friendship with someone and, and it turns to dating. Um, so I'm, I'm open and I date without expectations. I usually want to make friends. So when I'm making friends, I'm usually looking for compatibility. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be different. Of course, I don't mind differences. Like I actually, I enjoy having some differences because I can learn something new. Uh, so when I, I meet someone When I meet someone new, it's like, okay, what are you about? What are you into? Um, But I meet a lot of these people through dating sites and networking because I love to connect people. So I enjoy, you know, putting people together um, for whatever reason. So when that happens, it kind of morphs into if you're going to be a friend of mine, this is who I am and I'm not going to change who I am to appease anyone. Right. Uh, So... If you want to ride this ride, then this is what it's <laughs> about. Um, and if you don't, that's cool. You know, it was nice meeting you. You go your way. I go mine. Um, and that's okay, too. So I'll be friends with anyone. It just depends on whether that person wants to be friends with me. Yeah.
0: I have some uh, questions about some things that you have listed in your profile, like fetish based things. So, um, (laughs) and if there's anything that I ask you, that you don't want to talk about, just say, so we can move on. It's not a problem. Okay. Okay. I'm an open book. So, so you do have, um, there are some things listed that do relate to age and you've already mentioned, you know, you have kind of this, preference for dating older men, but you know, you're exploring younger men now. Do you, do you participate in age play or do you consider your preferences to be not a matter of age play? Are they connected? Talk to me about age and age play.
1: Um, I don't really get involved in, well, that's not true. So (laughs) I like dirty talking. So if there's some dirty talk going on, I might you know, bring up a role play kind of with age play involved, you know, like I might be, you know, the teacher or the the housewife and there's a newspaper boy and, or, you know, the pool cleaner kind of, you know, he comes over or, you know, some kid that's uh, young, but not too young, but I'm corrupting him. Uh, so I might throw that in and catch my partner off guard doing, during the act of And of course, um, (laughs) I've been known to do that. And it's like, oh, okay. And so they know either they want to follow along or they don't. Um, It's usually fun and funny. Uh, But I haven't done like, I'm not a little or um, anything like that. I don't do, you know, I'm not a baby and I don't have anything against that. I just, I'm not, I haven't done it Mm -hmm. and I'm not really interested in it right now. Uh, But I will often have some, can't come up in my field. Someone will tell me about it or I'll read something on someone's profile. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Let me join this group and go read about that, that I don't know because I want to know more about it. Um, mm-hmm. Or I've seen it and I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm so curious. <laughs> it
0: does, That definitely comes across. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so another thing, so it seems like a because of your preference that you already stated for older men, because I do see that you list, um, disabilities too. Those are included in your list of groups and things like that. Is that something that kind of was an organic development out of being attracted to older men or it's something very separate from age and like, what how does dis- uh, disability, how does that come into your interest? Um, uh,
1: so um, when I was very young, I had, because of the communal way that we live and taking each one, teach one, taking care of each other, um, it's very common for families in the South to take care of their elders. So I had relatives that we would we would split time with the, some of the senior people in our family. So I had two uncles, one was blind, and they both were in their 80s. They would spend their winters in the South and their summers up north. So when I was out of school, I can remember as young as eight years old, um, I would have these two older um, family members uh, that I would take care of. So I was helping them with things that they needed around the house. and They were very independent, but they, they talked to me and they told me a lot of things and they shared a lot of wisdom with me and I soaked it all up. And I it was... It was an education and it was nurturing and it was it was fun and it was it, it was interesting, the things that I learned. Um, and so I've always been interested in being a caretaker. So I took that a step further later in life and thought I wanted to be a nurse. Um yeah. <laughs> And decided, no, that wasn't for me. I love the caretaking part, but I don't want to push pills and never really spend time with my clients right. or, or patients. Um, and so uh, taking care of people, being a nurturer, that, that comes natural to me. Um, it's something that I've always done. And because of similar experiences to that, um, I continue to help people in that way. Um, the aunt that raised me was a social worker. So she often... Uh, did things in a community for senior citizens. So I was always around older people and I didn't really, I didn't really mesh well with people my age, kids my age, I should say um, because they were on something else yeah. that I I just didn't have that experience. I was, I was 10 going on 30. <laughs> I can um, so yeah, so that's where it came from. And then I started, I was at a very early age before dating start, like right before I started dating, my aunt said to me, you know, you take a boyfriend, you no longer get an allowance. You, you're grown enough to have a boyfriend then you know, he could take care of you. Now I'm speaking this way because it's important to know that she was my great aunt. So she was my grandfather's sister. Okay. Um. So she was much older uh, and she came, she was raised during a time that people were getting married much younger. So it wasn't unheard of, you know, my aunts and my mom and and some of my family members, they had kids very young. So that kind of I think that was along the line that she was thinking, like, if you're going to have a relationship, you need to be ready for it. And and these are the things that you look for. And she would she she instilled in me dating older men is wise.
0: Hmm. That makes sense. So, how did your experience start, though? So, is it something Uh, that kind of like the interest developed because you you had a familiarity with it and you recognized this caretaking, nurturing quality in yourself, and it was like a natural thing where you because it sounds like this is also playing into you know you just you use the word humanist to describe yourself as well, you know, just like this this compassion and just you know love for. People of all types. So is it just something naturally born out of that? Or there is actually something like in a a kinky fetishistic way of, you know, seeing somebody that, you know, there's something that they are unable to do for themselves that you are Mm -hmm. offering them or I mean, like how, how does it actually like practically manifest when it comes to anything sexually related?
1: Okay, so I have a, a degree in education, and um, and I specialize, I did master's work in um, special ed. So I always worked with people with disabilities from, like I said, just in everyday life as a kid on up. Then I went into nursing, and I did it in that way. I dropped the nursing and went on to education. Um, and so I the caretaking moved over to like some of these people are going to have disabilities and then you just care for them. It's not a kink for me. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm not, I'm not seeking out people with disabilities because they're unable to do things and I need to help them. It's, I accept people, however they come into my field.
0: And do you think, feel like you're especially suited to working with people like that? I mean, because I imagine there's a fair amount of patients and you know, there might be occasions where you're you're in a relationship with somebody who's disabled, and maybe like they're they're at the very beginning of their sexual exploration, right? So there's a lot of like patience and trying things and figuring out how to navigate all of the possibilities and limitations. Um, is that
1: accurate? Yeah. Um, well, because of my experience over a lifetime, I mean I've got over 30 years' experience at 42 of taking care of people with disabilities, so. Actually, one of my partners uses a wheelchair. He's had a spinal injury and he's been in a wheelchair for uh, over 20 years. He's very kinky and um, it's just part of it. It's just part of, you know, it's just, it's, I just accept you however you come. So that's, if that's what what presents itself and that's what it is, but it's not something that I roll with punches.
0: Yeah. And do you introduce, like, how common is it? Because I do see the mention of the nurse patient play. Mm -hmm. So is that something that's kind of, you know, that could be with any kind of partner or that is something that comes up more frequently with somebody who is disabled?
1: So my partner is a doctor. So that's where that, one of my partners is a doctor. So that's where that comes from, the nurse. So we often host, um, and he's been doing this for over 12 years, he hosts a Um, kink events at his home, at our home. People come and they want needling done. Um, He's pierced my ears. There's some medical stuff that I've seen. It doesn't happen a lot. Um, But I had another partner who used uh, sounders and all that was interesting to me. And I've been to dungeons where there's medical equipment in play and I was curious. So I kind of it was something that was familiar to me because I had moved in that world for this right. time. So I don't really use that kind of play as like, it's a go-to play like, Oh, I'm feeling hot and horny. I got a scene going. <laughs> Let me pull out the gloves. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not on that.
0: I get you. Um, <laughs> but it's but, interesting to hear though, cause you know, for all the people that I've spoken to a very common theme you know, irregardless of whatever their list of kinks is, like, so many people will have this, you know, fascinating spectrum of interest. And their hard limit is, you know, the breaking of skin and blood, things like that. Um, but it, can you just talk to me about your, like, how, how comfortable you are with that and how far you've gone? And just how it feels to like, be that vulnerable?
1: Uh, well, I trusted him and I knew, and he's a doctor. So when I was, I was saying, Oh, I'm going to go, I'm thinking to get my nipples pierced and I was thinking to get my ears pierced. He was like, Oh yeah, I have the equipment in here. I was like, well, let's do it. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's piercings, but it wasn't necessarily like, again, it wasn't like I'm in a, in a, you know, a kinky sex space and I'm like, this is going to be a scene and you're going to pierce my ears and this, you know, we're gonna make it play that's not what it was but some people that he knows they do that they want piercings like um I think someone recently wanted a, a clip piercing and he did that for them so that comes up for him often but also because he's a doctor right <laughs> um, so. So for
0: you, do you have that hard limit of your, like, and I'm talking now in terms of like doing a scene or, you know, like once we go into the realm of this is something sexual or kinky, are you willing to have your skin broken or are you okay with blood or like that is also a limit for you?
1: Yeah. My hard limit, um, is, is, uh, no scat. No. Um, I tried golden shower and it was like, lackluster is like eh. yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and, and this is, what, what is <laughs> and the same what, reaction <laughs> what, are they, what are they getting out of this so, so okay that is not for me moving right along uh then no breaking of the skin no no edge edging with sharp objects i've tried um some electric play and it's i'm not into it like i don't do it it doesn't do anything for me. I tend to move away from the pain part of kink. I'm not a masochist, and I'm not um, a sadist either. Then here again comes in the sensual side of pleasure and right. the feelings that feel good, um, like massage right. or um, cuddling and caressing. That kind of stuff is more my speed. Um, but I've tried all of, not all of it, because there's a lot to try. <laughs> um, I've tried a lot of it to see whether it was for me. And I did that for about a year. of um, uh, just, just letting my partner take me wherever we could go and figure out whether or not that was too much for me. And it was like, eh, if it's not for me, eh. if I get the and eh, because he hates the end. Eh. He wants it to do that. <laughs> <laughs> he wants it to be a hell fucking yeah. <laughs> yeah of and, and so if it's an eh, he doesn't even want to continue with that kind of play. It's like, oh, come on. That's all you <laughs> have to give me. Whatever. Yeah. So it ends there. Um, and so I, I've explored and come to know that the pain side is not for me. Um, there's enough suffering I feel in the world that I don't want to cause any more on myself. <laughs> right. adding more pain um in my own experience so yeah spanking a little light spanking is okay for me to receive now when I'm playing with someone else if they're into that I'll tell them you know I don't want to really get I don't want to beat the shit out of you you Mm. know
0: yeah
1: but you know I can like pinch you or you know, some light humiliation or degradation, but not like anything like hardcore. Yeah. Um, and when I'm doing femdom work, I, it's the same for me. So I just tell a client that I'm, these are the things that I'm into. If if you're not into what I'm into, that's fine because this is a service you're paying for it. Um, tell me what you want, and I can take you there. Uh, but just know that I'm not into these. And typically, the people that find me or they want. Yeah, a session with me they already know this because they've read a post or they talked to me in person or talked to me through a dating site um they'll know right away that I'm not into pain and usually they're not either so it's it's a you know a beautiful marriage yeah so to, yeah.
0: So I did want to talk a bit, because you do, and you've mentioned a couple times, you know, like that there are these things that you do professionally. So it just seems like, you know, from speaking with you, and we've had a couple conversations and texting and you know, your profile is, is quite robust. Yes. Um, so it seems like you know you you have experience and and you've done work in a lot of different areas so and this is kind of like a fun kind of just practical curiosity of my own but do you have a business card and if you have a business card what what does it say for this kind of work not just like for whatever your other life work is. No,
1: so I'm working on that so this is this is how this this came to me. I didn't say, I'm going to do this. <laughs> like, people were coming to me, married men would come to me and I'd say, hey, I'm not interested in, in anything with you. You're cheating, your wife doesn't know, but I am a good color. You know? <laughs> it's kind of like a massage, so I'm willing to do that. <laughs> um, and they would say, okay. And I'd like, seriously? Maybe like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so, Sometimes that's how I would get clients and it wasn't, a, I, it wasn't purposeful. Like I didn't set out and say, I'm going to be a dom and I'm going to have this business. So I'm working on getting to that place. Um, and it's it doesn't seem like it's a hard place to go, but you're just giving me now something to think about. What is my card going to say? Right. What is it going to look like? And, you know, the building of a separate website outside of uh, FET, is something that I've been considering Yeah. because um, I've been getting a lot of people showing interest and it's like, okay, well maybe, okay. Well,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is there something that gives you the most satisfaction to do as a service, like a paid service? Like, is there something where you're like, you're doing it and you're just like, this, this is my calling. This is what I feel really like built to do.
1: Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a teacher. So I love to see when people are learning and, and growing. And so with the, I'm also a life coach. So on the other side, it's like, I want to see as a life coach and a teacher, I want to see growth and people, I want people to rid themselves of sexual shame and these messages that they received as a kid who may have grown up in a religious family and they're in their fifties and just getting in touch with their sexuality. I want these people to release the bullshit that's been placed on them as far as human sexuality and sex is concerned. Uh, so I, um, again, the humanist side of me, yeah. that I want to I pour into other people's lives and have them like to blossom yeah. by releasing all of the, the BS that they've been told, like all of those messages. And it just lightens me up from the inside out to know that someone and this has happened. Um and this is probably why I have the drive to do it, because it it was something that I noticed that was happening with partners that I had and then friends that I had. And then um when I was coaching or teaching or nursing any of it, it just felt like people would open up to me and they want me to be pleased with them. So they wanted to do things to please me. And it was like, Oh, okay. Well, I don't really want much from you. I'm not asking you to do. And it was a matter of they wanted to give themselves because they felt that by virtue of me helping them with whatever I helped them with, that they, they had grown. Mm-hmm. So I've had people tell me that I've changed their lives yeah. and kind of everybody wants to make an impact on this world. And so I always felt like that was a beautiful thing. And I never took that for granted when someone, would say this is what you add to my life and this is how you've made it better. And to say that they're thankful for it. Um, And that's happened in every area of my life with introducing people to poly and then opening up their relationships and saying, wow, this is what that looks like to kink people saying, I've never experienced this. My wife won't let me, or I'm, you know, young and I, I haven't tried this before. Or, I'm older and things have changed and things aren't working like they used to. It's like, Oh, don't worry about that. We can get around that. Yeah. Oh, you got a little erectile dysfunction. There are other things you can do don't worry <laughs> about that. <laughs> so just, and then with the special ed thing, I remember feeling like it was always a challenge for me that I wanted to overcome and help somebody, a kid or an adult. Cause I, I work with people of all ages. It would be like my passion to figure it out like to to break the code like to get them where they need to, to go yeah either a goal of their own or something that I saw that maybe they didn't even see so yeah all of that kind of drives me into doing what I do and why I'm doing it in the way that I'm doing it yeah and it
0: sounds like you know that you're you're perfectly positioned right I mean especially like as a conservative on the outside, you know, life coach and educator, but that just seems like it naturally is inclusive of all of these things because, you know, life coach, I mean, sex is a part of life, et cetera. So it just seems like a natural thing that whoever would be drawn to you, like that would be, you know, a natural progression of whatever work that you were doing together. Um, but I'm, I'm curious because this is an opinion that I have of like, the idea of vanilla is I, I kind of feel as though it's a bit of a myth, you know, to me, it's a matter of, you know, people, they just don't know, right? They it's like a matter of ignorance or naivety, uh, lack of opportunity, uh, and then, you know, possibly fear or shame and some combination of, of those things. Since right. you've had so such a wide experience, like trying so many things, but also just in the work that you do professionally, do you do you agree with that or do you feel totally different? What, what are your thoughts?
1: Oh, no, I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, the conditioning that you get as a child. So that's one of the reasons people hold on to the label of vanilla, which tells me in and of itself, like the people outside of the King community will say I'm pretty vanilla. Yeah. Like, Well, how do you even know what, what does that mean? Right. Um, so it's like, you're holding on to this label because you don't want to look like you're, you're a weirdo and weird is great. I think <laughs> weird is. I take weird over vanilla any day. Um, but then I recognize that some people they're not, able to talk about things in the way that I am. And just because I'm open, everybody is not open. Uh, recently, I had a relationship end with a partner who said that he was vanilla, but he was into voyeurism and exhibitionism. He was into cock holding. He was into um, other things, but he was a, a handsome boy next door, Midwest, Guy who was in the church as a kid and all of these things, and so that label of vanilla with his cute boyish smile kind of felt nice for him. Yeah. But if I get talking dirty to him when we we're intimate, <laughs> so shit would come out, and I'd be like, "Yeah, fucking right, you're not." You're not. Like, dude, if you want to hang on to that, okay, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, okay, we're gonna, okay. <laughs> so that you are so. I remember one time we came up with some role play, like just dirty talk during, where my car breaks down and there's a bus full of young boys (laughs) coming to do, and I'm like, wait a minute, (laughs) where did this come from? I was like, this has been something you thought up, yeah, you know, Um, and you've been thinking of for a while. For or you're a really good storyteller. I don't know, both and either or. I'm not sure, but definitely not vanilla. So yeah, you're right, Um, people are kind of ashamed to say that they like something that might not be acceptable. And so what I've done recently is started um, just meeting when I meet people, especially if it's on the, well, mostly on dating sites. If I meet people in that way, I just say right off the bat, Hey, how familiar are you with polyamory and kink? And that just gets the conversation, (laughs) Um, because they usually want to know what it is that I'm into um, and why am I asking that question? And of course, it's because I know something about her. I'm interested in it. And then they want to know more. So then if they want to start a conversation and I have the energy to give, I'll share something with them. And if not, then if we're not a match, I move on. Yeah. Um, and then this is how I'm meeting more friends and making connections also. I think dating apps and dating sites are like the most awesome tool to use to meet people for especially people of my age um, and maybe the 35 and up who you're working all the time or you've got kids and you're not able to get out uh, or, or tools like meetup.com, things like that, get out and meet people. But if you're able to, because I know everybody's not, um, be all of who you are because you're going to get all of the things that you want from life if you're able to be your, your full true self and live out loud, as opposed to kind of holding back and just not saying what it is that you want when you're meeting people. Yeah. Um,
0: so on these dating apps, cause you, you did say like when you meet with them that, y- you know, you're upfront immediately about these things, but does that mean that you're you're less upfront in the profile itself, or it's a matter of just recognizing like people need to have things repeated to them, and the low instance of people actually reading profiles and things oh, like that. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: no, my profiles—I have one on Bumble and I have one on OK Cupid. They're very honest about who I am. Yeah, um, it's just not as <clears throat> sexual and sex-driven as bet Life is. Right. Um, so I can be more of myself on Fet. Um, but on the, on Bumble, it, just, it says that I'm not monogamous and pan. Um, and it's, you know, with, with the characters they allow you to use, I say a lot about myself that gives them more information than they actually usually give me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, a lot of people don't read it. Yeah. So they swipe because they see your face. And if you look pretty and you have nice long legs, then, oh gosh, she's hot. I want to bag her or whatever. And then you go back and you say, "Hey, did you read my profile?" <laughs> and then they realize, "Oh, wait a minute, you're polyamorous. I'm not into that." Or they don't know what it is, and then they want you to educate them. And sometimes it's like, "Okay, do do something." Yeah, Google, Google is a thing. <laughs> there, it's three things: either they've never heard of it, they already know about it, and they're interested, or they want to learn. Right. Um, and so. I usually take it from there. And I've met a lot of really cool people over the last, uh, I think it's been like 12 years that I've been using the internet for dating and meeting folks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So with all of the things that you've done, all your experience, is there anything left on the horizon? I mean, because I, I knew you you are obviously curious. I, I totally get that. And I'm sure like there's no limit to the things that you're willing to explore. But is there anything in your mind that you already are aware of, but just haven't tried yet? That's like something that you're itching to do or is like a bucket list item for you?
1: Uh, itching to do the not itching to do, but sometimes things that I'm not aware of they come to me, and 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 it's usually by someone asking me, you know, a question like you are right now, mm-hmm. um, and then I'll consider, you know, like you might ask me, are are you into, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, locking people under your bed and I'll say, Oh, I've never tried that. Yeah. Well, let me do it one day and let me tell you how it feels and then I'll get back to you. Um, so sometimes if it piques my interest enough that I'm, I want to do it, I'll do it then, but I'm not one that has these fantasies that have been put off on a shelf and I just take my vibrator out and that's the only time that I think about it. Right. Um, if I have something come up in my mind or my heart, my intuition says, do this thing. I just do it the next opportunity that I have to do it. Yeah. So all of the stuff that I want to do um, has to do with seeing more of the world and helping more people. So um, if I can throw some kinks in on top of traveling and well, I, I, I can, not if, I can <laughs> and I will. That's what I'm doing. That's yeah. what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm doing. So that's what I'm working on. Um, exploring more and making it a, a worldwide, international thing, so that I can meet more cool people and other cultures and have more amazing experiences and sexual experiences and life experiences um, and learn and grow that way. Because I'm not done growing. Yeah. So.
0: Is there anything that you've been asked to do in the past like, or anything that you've ever said no to that you have changed your mind about? No, oh,
1: not changed my mind about, no. Okay. The stuff that, I, I, the, the stuff that I've said no in the past, um, the, like when, when I hear something that falls on my ears and I'm like, uh, that's a no. Yeah. It's usually something along the lines of my hard limits. And so there hasn't been anything that anybody's asked me to do that I not looked into I always look into it so <laughs> somebody might say it, it might have come up a long time ago because I got involved with um reading about sex and sexuality and erotica and porn when I was 10 years old so I've got a lot of things that I've seen and, and experienced just before even before I was having sex yeah You know, I I was reading a lot about sex, so I read a lot of stuff, and it's like, oh, okay, that's a thing, and I'm not into it. It doesn't sound interesting, and then, but I do know that things that weren't interested in, I wasn't interested in when I was 20, I'm now interested in. Hmm. So that there's the evolving part of it again. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I, this has been fascinating. I, I love talking to you and, and just getting the chance to speak to somebody that kind of shares <laughs> the curiosities and all that. I, I love. I love that. Is there anything else that you just want to uh, say or speak about or cover before we finish up? Uh,
1: say or speak about or cover? No, I, I'm thinking you gave me an opportunity to kind of lay it all out: who I am and what it is that I do and what I'm passionate about. So I want to thank you and tell you that I appreciate what you're doing here. Thank you. um, and I think it's very important work and I hope that you continue doing it. Likewise. I'm um, sending people your
0: way. I appreciate it. Thank you. One of the things like encountering people like yourself, it, it does keep giving me hope because it does get a little discouraging sometimes, but you know, to get messages from people, that you know are obviously receiving what I'm trying to put out there it's it really lifts my heart and I understand that feeling of like when you were describing your work and like feeling kind of lit up like that that light in you I I Mm -hmm. totally understand that and and I've gotten goosebumps and the hairs raised on my arm several times in this conversation so thank Ah. you for that (laughs) so
1: like ASMR yes (laughs)
0: Tingles. yes <laughs> all right well thank you so much Lada. and i will be in touch when um this gets published it'll probably be in a couple weeks but thank you again so much and i look forward to you know just staying in contact and communicating with you because I, I think you're you're fantastic so. thank you
1: thank you so much and i'm looking forward to um whatever
0: so there you have my conversation with Lada. I hope you found it to be as inspiring as I did. And just a fun development since the recording of this interview, plans are in the works for the two of us to meet in real life. So far, we've only communicated via phone and the internet. Uh, and so it's pretty exciting to have the chance to meet Lada in real life. We, you know, We live in very different parts of the country. So to have this opportunity to have come across somebody on the internet that I identify with so strongly to be so inspired by her and have the chance to actually, you know, talk with her in person in real flesh and blood. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Not to mention all the kinky shenanigans the two of us will probably get into together. So um, a lot to look forward to. And until I speak with you on the quickie episode Monday, I hope you are well. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Communication. Did you dig it? Tell a friend. Subscribe. Leave a review on iTunes. Send an email. I really would love for you to do all of these things. And if you'd like to know more about this project, visit graphicpaint.com sexpodcast for additional episodes and background on how this all began. And if you'd like to be a part of this podcast, send an email to sex at graphicpaint.com. Every story and experience is valuable, so why not do an interview or submit your own filthy audio? Be a part of our revolution and help us spread the message of sexy self-acceptance.